More and more badass women are joining the ranks as highly skilled construction professionals. Construction and renovation projects wouldn't happen without the skills of the various crews involved. As we all know, the skilled trades have been male-dominated for like forever. In this season, I'm highlighting the amazing women doing their thing in the construction sector. Every journey and every story is different, but they are all inspiring. Have a listen as I learn about their stories. Hello, and welcome once again to the All Things Renovation WIT series podcast, where I'm using this platform to talk with amazing women who are doing their thing in the trade sector. I'm looking forward to the conversation with Lana Love today. She is a journey-level millwright and is currently working on achieving her fourth-class power engineering certificate. She works as a field operator with the newly formed company Arbios Biotech. Previously, she worked in sawmills for over 11 years, where she completed her millwright apprenticeship. She worked as a journey millwright, and then she was promoted to maintenance supervisor. And she was the first woman to complete a millwright apprenticeship and work in the role of maintenance supervisor with the Solidwood Division of Canfor. Lana previously com completed her level C in welding and worked fabricating and welding at uh, Porsche or welding Porsche Speedster replicas at Intermechanica International Inc. in Vancouver. And you know what? I happen to know of this company and I've lusted after their cars for years. <laughs> it's super great to see this as part of your bio. It's, That's it's, awesome. It's super, uh, anyway, it's awesome. Okay. Um, she worked uh, for Canfor and um, she's been in as on part of their Inclusion and Diversity Council, Women Engagements Group and Indigenous Engagement Group as well. She looks forward to helping to create foundations of a diverse and inclusive workplace where all voices are represented and heard in her new role at Arbios. Our, our in 2021, she completed the regional, represent, re, regional representative leadership training with the BC Center for Women in Trades. And she was first elected as a director at large uh, for the BC Trades Women's Society in, in 2021 as well. And then again in 2022, Lana is driven and um, to help change the culture of industrial and trades workplaces to be more inclusive of women and other underrepresented groups so that anyone who wants to uh, can enjoy the many advantages of a career in the trades. When she's not working, she enjoys relaxing at home, spending time with her husband and daughter, reading, knitting, gardening, and going on adventures in the woods and mountains. So I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm, I always ask this question off the start. What was your path? What was the journey? How did you oh. end up in the trades to begin with? Like, what oh, you this? It was a crooked and winding path that led me here. Yeah, I got off the path a couple of times. But um, so initially into the trades, I did my level C um, for welding back in 2006, I believe. And honestly, I just uh, I had been serving like I was a server at a restaurant and I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I, you know, I've previously had, you know, other jobs that were less, I guess, traditional for women, uh, did forest firefighting. And I knew I always wanted to do something a little bit different that maybe people didn't expect from me. So I, I went and did that and it went really well for me. So that was great. Um, it wasn't without its challenges, but 
the content and learning how to weld was not horrible for me. So that was good. Um, but when I was actually working at Intermechanica, I got pregnant and I left that and went back to serving and didn't find my way back to trades again until after I started working at a sawmill and a millwright apprenticeship posting came up. It was a union sawmill. So um, that kind of leads into the next thing, how I got into millwriting and I didn't even know what a millwright was before uh, I worked in a sawmill. Um, and essentially it's, it's just an, it's an industrial mechanic, right? They just work on equipment at mills. So when the posting came up, I decided, I decided to do that. I decided to just go for it because it was a small community that I lived in that, uh, you know, the mills were a huge economic driver there and they had closed. One of them had permanently closed before. And the one that I was working at had actually just reopened. And I saw what happened to the jobs when the mills shut down, but the trades people were, you know, they were always employable. Like there was people waiting to hire them somewhere else, you know? So I, I wanted to be one of those people that was going to, you know, uh, have good job security, even if something happened. So that's how I ended up millwriting. Amazing. So um, within all of the, you know, your apprenticeship paths and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And you kind of, you, you touched on it just really briefly there. Some of it was a little rough and then clearly. Mm -hmm. you so, um, you know, I don't like to belabor too much the negative, but I think we all mm -hmm. have here and that, you know, yep. journeys are not always as smooth as maybe they could or should be. Um, yep. you know, like mine was relatively okay. I mean, I did have some, you know, misogynistic people around and I had to kind of combat all that, but, um, you know, overall it wasn't like super awful. So in, right. in your experience, um, sort of just maybe touch on a, one or two things that maybe weren't as sunshine and roses and then maybe sure. Well, that maybe yeah, I mean, so it was when I was younger as an apprentice, even through through my welding, younger as an apprentice for mill writing, I, you know, I accepted a lot of uh, like workplace cultures as as normal. I was I was used to working around men, uh, certain behaviors and things that seemed fine to me. And even at times participated in to, you know, to get to be a part of the group for sure. Um, but there, it, it wasn't all bad, you know, like there was, there was a lot of camaraderie and and teamwork, but there were always kind of this few people. And I met them at different po points throughout my, you know, trades journey for sure. Uh, and I would say they were the exception, you know, those folks, but um, it was everything from, you know, being told that I was lucky that my husband let me work, <laughs> you know, to to hearing about how I was taking a good job opportunity from a man, you know. Um, and then other times when I got into leadership, it, it maybe got more difficult because it wasn't just um, I wasn't as able to just prove myself as I was with, you know, mill writing and welding and just do a good job and be good. There was always people that were everything was scrutinized differently as a woman in a leadership position, you know, like I can't say enough how much an assertive man, you know, a woman doing the exact same thing would be called aggressive or bossy. And I know we hear that a lot, but it's, um, it's super prevalent. Like everybody does it. Even other women do it. It's um, so that, that was, 
that was probably the hardest thing was actually being in in leadership even more so than just being in trades themselves but overall good it's, it is good though to recognize that it isn't all sunshine and roses yeah i mean ultimately too like just touching on you know being on the tools versus being in in leadership um you know ultimately skill is respected and that will win mm -hmm. out the day like mm -hmm. I mean, typically, I mean, there's obviously going to be some people you're never going to be able to win over or make happy. Right. With. Yeah. Ultimately, um, I found for myself anyway, that skill won me out. Like I could do the job. Yeah. Skills were, were good. And at the end of the day, that's what your employer wants. They want yes. good yep. product or, you know, creation or whatever you're doing. That's what they want. They want someone mm -hmm. who's motivated, who you know, is a self-starter who actually has the skills to do the job, like all of these things. And it doesn't really matter how you identify at the end of the day. Yep. What the job. It might start out mattering to some people because oh, people course. have preconceived ideas and biases, whether they want to admit it or not. But generally, generally people that have these biases or ideas of how it might go for me, once they could see that I would do the work and I would show up and I was good at it even, uh, generally accepted by those people. Um, that's just one other thing though, that I think that women have to like face that men don't is that there's like this assumed confidence or competence that we give to men or yeah. that other men give to men that they don't give to women and women have to show them first before they're kind of like, okay, you can be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, mean, like, I, I would absolutely say that's that's mm -hmm. really true for a lot of a lot of mm -hmm. sectors, no matter what, like whether it's trades or something different. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, leadership. There's no, there's no metrics really for it. At the no. end, of the day, like you could do like you know satisfaction, you know, send outs and all that kind of thing. But at, at the end of the day, it isn't like okay, you had this pile of raw material and now you've created this thing and it it works, it's together, it looks beautiful, blah blah blah. Like leadership. Mm -hmm. So I can yeah. see. Maybe it was a little bit more challenging to try and figure out where the bar was and how to be able to figure out if you were like making the grade or not, right? I usually had, you know, maybe the toughest time in the beginning from my crews, but generally once they seen that, um, you know, I was just there to support them. You know, I was like another member of the team, but I was like the support person that was making sure that they had what they needed and that they were doing everything safely. And um, that was a huge, that was a huge thing that I did that got me a lot of respect with my crews was like walking the walk with safety um, because they hear it, they've heard it all before, but then there's always the like, okay, we're going to turn a blind eye and you're going to get this done. And I wouldn't do that. And I, there was actually people had a lot of respect for that on my crews and they were like, okay, well, I mean, there's not a lot to criticize there then, right? So uh, I had a, a great time with that. And it was the same thing, I, I suppose, with that. There was always those few people you just could not win over. It was just tough when they were also supervisors or your supervisors. You know what I mean? Like that that was the difference. Um, it's one thing if you've got a person on your crew who doesn't like you or doesn't like being told what to do by a woman. Um there, there's obviously ways to work around that and deal with it. Uh, yeah. It's it's hard when it's your peers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, mm -hmm. I mean, did you feel like being sort of promoted into this 
sort of role that it was something that you were really happy to embrace and like was kind of a hey I'm I'm checking off I'm sort of gaining um, yeah I was for me it was kind of unexpected I never saw myself as a leader. Um, I am a very emotional person and I used to react emotionally to everything, good, bad, whatever, you know, like I would be crying. It was <laughs> not great. So when I, I was approached essentially because I was asking for more responsibility and my supervisor was like, we have an opportunity here, right? Like if you're looking for leadership and you've got the, you know, the skills, uh, to put a woman in, in a leadership role. And uh, it was it it was a conscious thing that he did to provide, there goes my dog, to provide uh, this opportunity for me. And when he did, it kind of like flicked a switch for me, if that makes any sense, where I was like, oh, I am a leader. I can be a leader. And these are the things I need to do to be a good leader. So uh, it was really exciting. I enjoyed it a lot. I do hope to, you know, perhaps pursue leadership again one day, but it just, um, the opportunity that I had to come to Arbios was, um, I really wanted to be a part of the project. So it wasn't important for me to necessarily be in a leadership role to do that. <laughs> the company that you're working at now, what is it that they do? So what we do is, or what we're going to do is um, turn forest residuals that are maybe um, considered a lower value pro product right now, like uh, hog biomass, that sort of thing. And we're going to use uh, the patented CAT HTR technology that we have through uh, Lysella, which is a chemical company that's in a joint venture with Canfor to turn that biomass into a low carbon intensive uh, bio oil. And the bio oil can then be refined into uh, fuel like gasoline and diesel and aviation fuel. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty neat project. It's very awesome to be a part of it. It's kind of first of its kind, really. And um we're building the first commercial scale demonstration plant. So they've proved this technology out over in Australia where it was developed and now they're bringing it here to to scale it up and see how it works commercial scale. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I love yeah. I mean, innovation and, and technology and all that kind of stuff is the, it, it's always been part of the world as we mm -hmm. change and move forward. Yep. It's going to continue to be. So it's fantastic that you're kind of on the cutting edge of some of this really interesting stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's exciting to be a part of it from the time that I heard about it. I kind of, you know, kept my eye on it. And, and that's, that's why I ended up coming over here is because there was, there was an opportunity to move over and be a part of it kind of from the beginning. And um, I love learning, you know, I know that sometimes it can be, it can be maybe tough for employers when people always want to be doing the next thing. And it's not necessarily that that's the case for me. It's just, I always want to be learning and growing, you know, and uh, everything that I'm doing right now is all brand new to me. Um, and I'm being supported by like super knowledgeable educated talented people and it's it's really fun <laughs> I'm enjoying it a lot no I think I mean that's what that's what keeps us going is the mm -hmm. 
the newness of things and the just being able to like get our brains to be fired up and to like yeah making some sort of a difference right like even if it was a supervisor and being a supervisor forever if I felt like what I was doing was making a difference somehow in the crews I was working with or the company I was working for um that sort of thing I would always be engaged in wanting to do that yeah very cool so (laughs) talk about you know ongoing learning you're you're you've shifted a bit and you're in (laughs) our engineering sort of realm now. So explain for the people who are listening who may not know, what is that? And then tell me why you made the shift. Well, I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I so I'm actually doing my power engineering right now. So I'm I'm hired in the role of a field operator, but we don't actually have a facility yet. We're constructing it. So I'm lucky in that I have this time to get my power engineering for when I am a field operator. So um the power engineering is kind of it's not a lot of engineering. It's, you know, there's panel operators, for instance, who operate this, you know plant equipment literally on a panel field operators who operate the equipment out in the field like physically turning on valves and you know panels in the field and some maintenance work that sort of thing um mill writing itself is it's fix at work for the most part there's preventative maintenance work maintenance work and there is a bit of overlap with the two for sure which is great for me because some of what I'm learning about is familiar to me uh but again some of it is very unfamiliar to me uh like the chemistry and the electro technology portion of this is all pretty new to me um so that's that's tough it's good it's good learning but it's it's definitely um there seems to be more very specific information in power engineering versus mill writing mill writing is so much more hands-on I would say yeah you're more like on the tools as opposed to yeah you know the panel is there and you're you know processing more than like Mm -hmm. fabricating is I guess maybe the easier way to put it Uh, And I mean, a lot of what I'm learning about power engineers can do, they don't really do, (laughs) you know, like uh, a lot of what it seems like they do is, is the actual operation of the plant um, and understanding, understanding the power aspect of it, right? Like electrical power, thermal power, all of that stuff and how, um, how to operate your equipment to optimize for the best power so uh that's obviously very different than going out and you know taking a piece of equipment apart and putting it back together which uh millwrights do so yeah um so it seems to me like you know you you definitely have had a little bit of a, a winding path through to different things and and part of that now is the diversity work that you've been part of um so maybe share with us a little bit around some of the initiatives that you've been part of, what are you working towards, what's sort of coming up, um, sort of what, sure. what part of it is kind of exciting that, you know, we should all know about. So it's it's all pretty new to me too. That's really funny. So I've been in trades for almost 17 years now, and I was pretty isolated from women in trades. Like I didn't encounter very many other women uh, as a welder or as a millwright. Um 
if I'm being honest, that I, I've always seen women when I did see them as my competition for the few spaces that there were for women in trades, right? So I didn't have a lot of or any relationships with any of the women that I did encounter really until I was directed to the BCC WIT regional rep training program by a woman at my workplace who was like, hey, this might be a great way for you to, you know, connect with the community. And so uh, it, it came at a great time for me. I was going through something kind of tough at work and um, I met this amazing network of tradespeople that were working together to try to make trades workplaces and industrial workplaces better for people, you know, that wanted to work there and also to advocate for, you know, diversity and trades um, so that people would consider these jobs. And, you know, I think that that's a lot of it is that these people don't see themselves in these roles. And so they don't think of them, but they're really great, great jobs. So um, I became involved with all of this through that, that, that was my start. And that was only in, geez, I don't even know when that was. That was only like a couple of years ago. So, um, sorry, <laughs> my husband just, maybe, I mean, this um, is a relatively new body as is BC tradeswomen. Um, yeah. I think so BC tradeswomen society has been around longer. I think they were, you know, initial, that initial group that started the BC tradeswomen society, they were the ones that, you know, advocated and lobbied the government and said, this is a resource that we need. And, um, now being a part of it, it's, it's been huge to me, like the community that it's introduced me to, um, the resources that it's introduced me to, and then like the amazing learning opportunities as well. Um, I'm super inspired by these people that did this work. And now I, I want to be a part of it too. And I've seen it as a tool to learn how to communicate these needs in the workplace better, more clearly, not just for me, um, that sort of thing. So I was lucky enough to become involved with Canfor's Inclusion and Diversity Council. Um, there was somebody there that recognized that, you know, my voice might um, have a different perspective for them than an, an executive. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I saw what was actually happening, boots on the ground. So, um, so what, what, are the, what are some of the things that you, that were identified and, and what are some of the things that are maybe being done to counteract the issues right so one would be again that that lack of community right so not seeing a lot of uh, other people like you around the workplace but and, and it's very it can be very isolating um for for people that don't fit in with those groups so creating employee network groups was something that came out of that like there's a, a women employee network group an indigenous employee network group and a black employee network group that came out of that and that was really great and they worked on very specific initiatives and I can't even list all of the things that they've done so far at, at Canfor. It was pretty phenomenal work that they did. Um, and then, you know, besides that, uh, working with some of the women, for instance, uh, Lisa Scott, also on BC Tradeswoman Society, um, she's organized uh, four camps now, trades discovery camps for uh, young women and Indigenous youth ages 9 to 13. And getting to be involved in that, the first camp that she put on, I was there for just a day and I had a, a great time. And 
the last time she did it, I was able to participate for a full week, uh, just helping facilitate the camp. And it was, it was awesome. It was really, really great. Like I would see these young women, you know, hold a tool for the first time and you could see how unsure of themselves and all of it they were. And, you know, by the end, you could not only just see their confidence grow, but actually their skill level was better after a few hours. And you could really see that. And, um, and you could tell that they could see it as well. And it was really, really neat to be a part of that. That's, the, that's the good stuff. That's the stuff I really like. Um, something else is I've gotten to be involved with the uh, Canadian Apprenticeship Forum's National Leadership Development Program for Women in the Trades uh, as a tradeswoman coach. So for one of the modules, um, just kind of reviewing the, the entries by the folks participating and just being a resource for them if they have questions or providing feedback, that sort of thing. So what kind of questions have you been asked? So I actually haven't had anybody reach out to me directly about with, sorry, with this program. Um, but what I always find when I encounter these other tradeswomen participating in these programs is that I always feel like you could have taken any one of these women and made them the tradeswoman coach. Like they've usually gone through some pretty incredible things and fought some big battles and, um, and accomplished just really amazing things. So uh, I actually, the most that I've gotten out of this is getting to read about their experiences and journeys and um, like, just see how I can relate to it and, and and then relate to it. And I, I know how validating it was for me when I first started interacting with other women in the trades to hear my experiences echoed back. And it's obviously not always great, but it's still validating uh, after years of not being able to relate to people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's one of the like the massive benefits of all of the work that BCC WIT and BC Trades Women um, have been doing. And, and of course, similar bodies within the other provinces is that most of us were the only woman or maybe one or two maybe on any mm -hmm. or shop or um camp or whatever and just this the siloing and this sort of feeling of like you're all alone all the time um mm -hmm. and to create this like community has been so impactful like so many women that I've talked to have said yes like I went and I did this training and it's so impactful. It's the first time I felt like I really was really supported and I really had community. And I think that in of itself will help with the retention that we need to see with women and, but also anybody else, really, we all need community yeah. where we are and, and, and keep the retention levels fairly high because people will cycle in, cycle in, cycle in, cycle out, out, out. And then you're no better than what you were before. So I think you part know of community building is a really key initiative that I think is really working. It's, it's massive. And, you know, the jobs are, they're good jobs, you know, and sometimes they're hard, but, you know, I don't think people, people aren't leaving them because there's not a lot of job security and they're not leaving them because the pay isn't good. Right. Um, they're leaving them because it's not healthy for them at times. And I think that that's the biggest thing that needs to change is that, you know, it's really great to try to advocate and recruit for people to enter the trades. But 
it's really important to make sure that when they get there, that they're going to have a good experience, you know, that they feel like they're seen and heard and that they're safe when they go to work. Um, and uh, I'm really glad that it looks like a lot of people are starting to see that and try to do something about that. So um, it's great. And I really hope that I can be a part of this change so that other women or uh, just anybody who isn't, you know, generally represented in trades right now uh, can come in and just have a better experience, not feel like they need to um, modify their behavior or what kind of treatment they think is acceptable for themselves to, you know, participate. Um, yeah, just show up as themselves and do their work and do a good job and and, and go home every day yeah and go home safe yeah and like psychologically safe too you know oh, yeah no physically yeah. psychologically emotionally like it's, that all, it's all in the container of being safe right like absolutely like, yeah um all that good stuff so mm -hmm. um, I love that you're part of all of that and I look forward to hearing more about sort of the impact that you know is being done um by a, people being able to be mentored and um yeah, I think I'll have to circle back and see what sort of questions have come your way and, and all that kind of thing. And, you know, whatever a year or two, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm excited too. It feels like it's just the beginning, really. I just started to get involved in this and um, there's lots of changes, obviously, in my life right now with a new job and stuff like that. And that's another really amazing part of this community is that, um, we could just reach out to them anytime, you know, uh, for, for anything, any advice, any ideas, you know, I'll have experiences sometimes and just bounce it off somebody and get, you know, a less, I guess, biased perspective. Cause it's hard sometimes asking men like, Hey, was this, was this weird? Was this not okay? Cause their perception of these things is, is very different than, than other, you know, women, for instance, that are, that can oh, yeah. give you a, a, a related experience and perspective so it's good I enjoy it and I hope that the momentum continues to build uh because yeah. I I think it was really starting to build before I started to get involved with it and um and kind of for the first time in a really long time like it's not like a lot has changed you know uh speaking to women that have been in the trades for much longer uh, it hasn't changed a whole lot, but it is starting to change and they're starting to see the change. And that's the key is that they're noticing is that people are noticing. So that's yeah. really good. Yeah, excellent. Um, so within all of that, uh, any sage advice or wisdom for people that are considering a career in the trades? Like, What would you say to somebody if they kind of either stopped you on the street or like you're just part of a, a group and they were like yeah I'm not really loving my academic life or whatever and I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the trades like what would you say to them I just stop people and tell them even if they don't ask no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um I, I generally just tell people to go for it like give it a shot that's the amazing thing about trades is that you know there's levels to it you get paid to train um you know if you want to go to school, you can you can go on AI and go to school. You can't do that with academic school. So you can give these things a shot and see if they work for you. Like it is hard work, 
but it's it's not that hard, you know. Um, but it is important to recognize that it's it's not going to be great all the time. However, you're going to have a good job with good job security and good pay, um, and the possibility of just so much more opportunity. Like you can turn it into so much more opportunity. And you're gaining skills, real skills that are transferable to like all areas of your life. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah. also too, I mean, it doesn't matter what sector you're in. Not every day mm -hmm. is your best day. It doesn't matter if you're yes. a sector or a ditch digger. Like yeah. everybody's going to have a bad day. Nobody loves the entirety of what their job has in it. Mm -hmm. like, which, I mean, very- uh, You might as well be making good money. <laughs> no, like honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So before I go to close out the show, I always like to ask this this one last question. So what is your favorite tool and why? Uh, the adjustable wrench. <laughs> it was honestly the most commonly used tool. I had enough tools in my pockets when I was mill writing and uh, the adjustable wrench. People will tell you it's not a hammer, <laughs> but it can be. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just super versatile. <laughs> great, that's great. Yeah. All right, well, Lana, thanks again for chatting with me today. And I'm so excited to see what comes next for you. I wish you mad success with all of what that happens to be. Um, I'm really curious to find out more about this new job and this new position that you're going to be having in this new company that's going to be doing some really interesting, revolutionary work, really. And yeah, it's pretty neat. People yeah. should go check it out on LinkedIn. That's where they post all their job posting. So well, check yeah, it out there and we'll yeah. put that we'll put that link in the in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So that, you know, whatever. People can check it out and maybe get employed. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And for those listening, thanks. I really appreciate it. Be sure to check out other episodes in the WIT series as well as all the rest of the All Things Renovation um, episodes. And until next time, just keeping badass at whatever it is you're doing. Thanks for listening, and I hope you feel as inspired as I do. If you or someone you know has interest in the trades, there are many resources, many programs and supports. There's also a ton of women's groups out there specifically for those who are in the trades. We'll list a number of them in the show notes, but be sure to reach out if you're having challenges finding some in your area. We're all in this together after all, and we're happy to help in any way we can.